Welcome to the Heat vs. the World podcast. And now, stand up and make some noise for your host, Joe Jacob. What's up, Heat Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Heat vs. Storrow podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joel Jacob, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoelKJacob underscore. Without further delay, let's meet today's correspondents. First, we got Anthony. Six more to go, y'all. We got George. Ten down, six to go. We're on a roll, baby. And last but not least, Orchard. Another dub, Heat Nation. All right, so to start it off, let's talk about this Game 3 win for Miami as the Heat went into Boston and reclaimed home court advantage. Winning by six, Miami was able to handle business despite an injury that would keep Jimmy Butler sidelined for the whole second half and a group of refs that were clearly paid to help the Celtics win. Leading the way for Miami, you got Bam Adebayo with 31 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, and 4 steals. P.J. Tucker with 17 points, 3 triples, 7 rebounds, and 3 steals. Max Struess with 16 points, 4 triples, and 4 rebounds. And the returning Kyle Lowry with 11 points, 6 assists, and 4 steals. After seeing how bad Game 2 went, how did you guys feel watching the Heat win Game 3? Start us off, Anthony. How? I mean, how did the Heat win that game last night? I I've, can't tell you how many times since that game concluded that I really looked at myself and said, did that really happen? You know, I want to read this perfect tweet from the official Five Reasons Sports account uh, that they posted last night. They just said, the Miami Heat just won a game against the Boston Celtics without Jimmy Butler for the second half, with Tyler Hero struggling while facing the three officials in a road crowd energized by the injury dramatics of two Celtic starters. All of that against us, and yet they were still managed to come out with a win. It was insane. I, I think I can speak for all of us. You guys can let me know when you speak. But when the Celtics went on that run to start the fourth quarter and they cut it all the way down to one after that Jalen Brown three, I thought the game was over. i tell you the truth. When halftime started and we saw Depot in the lineup instead of Jimmy, I kind of thought the game was over anyways. I knew you would need Jimmy Butler in Boston to come out with a win. But, it's, you know, they were able to maintain through the third quarter. I was happy with that. And then Jalen Brown went off and I thought the game was over. The Heat could not score. They were settling for terrible shots, contested jumpers, turning the ball over, running the clock down to a second left on the shot clock. And then after Boston cut it all the way down to one, they need one more stop to get their first lead of the game. We got my boy Strew Staddy with the monster three to put the Heat up by four. And then they never really looked back, even though that final two minutes took forever just because Jalen Brown still didn't want to stop missing. And of course, that officiating was terrible. But it really was an all-time win by the Heat, given the circumstances. That was the first step. They had to win last night. Now we just got to hope Jimmy's okay. We got to hope the knee's not bothering too much and hoping they can get another win in Boston on Monday. I agree. And how about you, George? I just – I just, I always really enjoy these games between you know, the Celtics and the, and the Heat because it's always going to be competitive. You've got two teams at the top of their game. You really do. You've got the Celtics who are on fire since the All-Star break come in and just, you know, play – so dominantly in the first two rounds. Then you got the Heat who just pick it up when they need to. And, and 
you know, the reliability is maybe not being there so many times, but we just pull out these, these results. And all I see are people crying that the Celtics have only lost two quarters in the entire of this series. And, you know, they're crying the fact that they haven't won, you know, the two one down, we took one at home, you know, but how do you not be, beat a team that relies on a 30, 30 point average Jimmy Butler? How do you not beat them when he exits the game at halftime? How do you, how do you not beat them? I'll tell you how. You get players who come in and fill roles. You have Victor Oladipo coming in and just hounding, hounding Tatum and, and Brown on defense. I know Brown had some more luck than um the Tatum, but but Oladipo came in and just really, really helped us slow the game down to a pace where it was a lot more manageable. Uh, Kyle Lowry as well. If this game, you know, if Jimmy exited this game and Lowry still wasn't part of us, we in no doubt on my mind lose that game. The, t- the time that he wastes, the defense he plays, the, the the way he's able to get, you know, open looks for Bam. In talking about Bam, Jesus Christ, he he is uh, he was so slept on these playoffs and he, he slept on his own game because he was playing terribly. And he's come out and done this and, and had a 31-point game when we needed it the most. He had four steals as well, by the way. So, you know, just an amazing performance all game round. Uh I can't stand the Celtics, so to see them lose and the fans leave the arena early is just un, undeniably just, satisfi- just satisfying. And the fact that the refs, the entire game, were holding it against us is just a joke. So, you know, more power to the heat and, uh, you know, we're nearly there. Right. And, you know, I, th- I thought, you know, people are still trying to tell me it's just the heat fans that leave the games early. So very shocking that Boston fans want to do that too. And let's see, Orchard, what's on your mind, though? Man, I still don't know what to think of this game. Like, literally, I was, like, happy, confused, thrilled, like, on the floor. I'm like, this this game was, like, literally every component was in it. You know, we had a great start to the game. You know, we took a 21-point lead after the first quarter. Bam was doing extremely well. I love to see him in the first quarter. Uh, 12 points, I believe. And then the second quarter... It kind of reminded me of the Warriors versus Mavericks in game two, where the Mavericks had a really big lead, but then the Warriors were able to close out very well. And so were the Celtics. But the difference was, and I'm going to try and I'm going to keep my cool here because I was really pissed about it yesterday, was that the free throw disparity was 21 to three. That That is just, it's, I don't know, like, I don't know what I think is worse. The fact that the Heat got three free throws or the fact that the, Celtics got 21 free throws. That is just crazy to me. Uh, in the third quarter, obviously, I had no clue Jimmy was even hurt because uh, I missed some part of the game. So if you, I don't know if I missed something, but I did see that Pritchard um, yanked on his knee at some point. I don't know if that's what happened, but it was obviously a huge surprise to see that he didn't play in the second half. Uh, and obviously, Oladipo did an amazing job filling in that role. Maybe not the offense that we get from Jimmy in these playoffs, but 100% his defense. His defense was absolutely amazing. And I think when Jalen Brown, obviously he had a 40-point game, but when Oladipo was on him, I think he was doing a very good a very good job of locking him up um, and obviously getting some very critical steals. And the, I think the steals was the biggest highlight for the Heat. They had 19 steals, which is a franchise playoff record. And that's forcing 19 turnovers on Boston. And I think they had 23 overall. And that's really what won us the game. We took we took advantage of the turnovers and scored off of them. 
Uh, in the fourth quarter, man, that one, that one was stressful. <laughs> that was obviously, um, I, again, the free throws, man. I was reading, and I think the first, at the start off the fourth quarter, Boston went on an 8-0 run. And in that 8-0 run, they only made one field goal. So that should just tell you right there that a lot of their offense was coming from free throws. Uh, and we were pretty lucky that they were missing them. I think they shot 73% overall from there. But overall, I mean, the final couple minutes, obviously, man, that was a stressful, that was a stressful time. I literally fell to my knees. And when Brown hit that three to cut it to one, I was just like, I, I thought it was over. But, you know, um, like Anthony was saying, Struce hit that big time three. And that really was, that really got our offense going again because Bam made that long two, Lowry with the clutch steal and um, gives it over to Struce to hit the dagger. So, yeah, overall, this game, it felt like it was a five on eight with the referees helping the Celtics throughout the entire game. But Miami still, you know, fought throughout the entire game. And what matters is that we have the series lead now and we still won on the road. Right. And that's the big thing, you know, getting home court back. And as you said, Orchard, the refs were just a big problem for the Heat. So the fact that we were able to hop in that second half and play some great basketball without Jimmy and with the refs being on Celtic's side, it's just a great thing to see because it just shows you how great this Heat team is, you know, how resilient they are and how ready they are for this type of moment. Because it's not easy going and facing a crowd like the Celtics crowd because the Celtics crowd, you know, is probably one of the most hostile environments you could ever you know, take part in that arena, TD Garden, you know, like we've seen it before, you know, we've seen all the Heat Celtics games in the past, you know, going back to the LeBron era and all that, you know, there was so much stuff going on, but the Heat just found a way to pull through, even with Jimmy, you know, missing that whole second half and even with Tatum and Marcus Smart coming back from their injuries, like five seconds after going into the locker room, you know, the Heat was just ready for the moment. And I just love to see it. And it was funny because a lot of people were coming out saying, oh, you know, the Heat, they don't want to, you know, they don't want the smoke with the Celtics when they're at full strength. Well, guess what? We were basically not at full strength either yesterday because at first I was thinking about how Kyle Lowry is back. So we got the full squad healthy and we're out here blowing them out. And then, you know, Jimmy gets injured to come the second half. And, you know, you see everything going on there. You know, obviously with us not having our best player, you're going to see the other team make a comeback. And that's what we saw. And the Heat still took care of business. And that's because of not only what we saw from Bam, someone who we will talk about later on in this episode, but also the help from some other guys who will probably have a chance to talk about come the Spotlight Heat Player of the Week segment. So I don't want to go too much into detail. But overall, just what a great win. And honestly, that might probably go down as one of my favorite wins of this postseason run for the Heat once it's all said and done. Anyways, so we talked so much about that, that let's move on and talk about the improvements the Heat made, as this was clearly a different Miami Heat team compared to what we saw in the game before. With all that being said, what do you guys consider as the main things that the Heat fixed as they got ready for war in Game 3? You're up first, George. I think the glowing disparity between Game 2 and Game 3 was the um, the lack of defense played in Game 2. Uh, and we just picked that up massively. We got out to shooters. We, we, we played vicious and terrifying on-ball D that, that they just couldn't handle. And 
I just don't, I don't see how we could have won this game if we didn't spare, you know, band together and really, you know, hang on, have some things that we are, we are best at, which is defense. With Kyle Lowry back as well, you saw a lot better, the ball move a lot better. But the thing that scares me the most is when Jimmy's not on the floor, how terrified we look on a, on offense. We, we look like a deer at headlights because, you know, when you don't have a go-to scorer and Tyler Hero's shooting four for 15, which is just appalling, even by his standards, it's, um, it's, it's, it's scary to give the ball to Max Struess and say, you know what, here you go. We need to give the ball to you to, to you know, hit those big shots. And Bam as well. Bam finally found, you know, whatever confidence he, he was lacking to really start taking shots. And 22 shots from your big man is perfect. It's, it really is. So having Bam perform, defense was better. Playmaking was better. And, you know, we had the chip on our shoulder. We had, we had you know, blown, blown, we got blown out in a game at home. And it should never, that should never, ever, ever be the case. But it was, so we had to we had to answer and we did it quickly. So I don't care what excuses the Celtics fans make uh, now. This was a really hard-fought win. And to come out of a game where we just got blown out, to go into their building and do the same to them was just, was just uh, you know, was just brilliant. Right. I enjoyed the dead silence and the booing that we heard because, I don't know, like if y'all saw that game too, like you got some Celtics fans, or they were sort of feeling themselves in the uh, arena and stuff. So... For the Heat to just take care of business the way how they did in that first half, although it ended up being a close game at the end, like it was just fun to watch and to take that 2-1 lead. You know, that's all you have to worry about. While it would have been good to um see the Heat blow them out completely, you know, I'll, I'll take the win regardless. So overall, it's a win-win. And let's see, uh, Orchard, you? Um, I think the improvement was the wake-up mentality. We just, it was a kind of, I think game two was just a wake up call for us because, you know, at that point we had won three straight playoff games, you know, a game five and six against Philly and then game one against Celtics. And, you know, naturally sometimes you just kind of let your guard down. And I feel like that's what happened in game two. Uh, obviously, we just couldn't, we could not, the Celtics are unstoppable. They were shooting 50% from three. And I can't remember, but they made like at least 12 threes in the first half in game two. And obviously they they want they're gonna fight twice as hard as they did in game one because you don't want to go down 0-2 in the series and you always want to steal a game on the road. And that's exactly what we did is we stole one game on the road and hopefully we can steal the next one. But you know, it's always important to get that one game out of the way. Um and then the other thing was probably um I, I think our turnovers. We had 14 turnovers in game two. In this game, we only had eight. That was the one thing I was very impressed about in game three was our turnovers. It was really surprising to see that Boston had 23 opposed to our eight. You always feel, I always feel like Miami is going to be the team that turns over the ball more. So to see them take care of the ball, there were some really stupid turnovers in my opinion, but they were still able to limit it to limit it um, to uh, eight. So that's really impressive. And then attacking the paint. It's always important because I feel like our three point shooting has been very inconsistent in these playoffs and, and the next thing to do is just attack the paint. And that's what they did. And then the last thing is Bam Adebayo. I mean, Bam, he he's probably doubled up in every, t- every single statistic in game three than he did in game one and two combined. He took 22 shots, which is, which is the most he's done in the playoffs. And he shot very efficiently. And that that's really the key. You know, when you're missing Jimmy, you got to have you, the next guy's got to step up. And that's Bam. And that he did exactly what he needed to do. He scored. He made tough shots. He attacked. He didn't get to the line as many times, but 
I'm going to blame the officials for that one. I think he should have gone to the line more than once. But overall, he was much more aggressive, and he, he showed us what he can really be and hopefully continues to do this. Exactly. You know, just – I was just so happy to see Bam have that type of game because, you know, we'll talk about this specific thing, you know, later on, but, you know, we always talk about, you know, Bam having to be aggressive, Bam having to be this, Bam having to be that. So for him to have arguably, oh, look, this isn't even close, his best um, playoff game of this run so far and probably maybe his best playoff game you know, in his career already, it, it's just impressive because we didn't know what to expect the second that Jimmy went out. So he stepped up and he did his thing and that's all you could have asked for from him. And uh, let's see, Anthony, you? Orchard brought up the idea of a wake-up call. And I know a lot of Heat Twitter has talked about that after game two. Personally, that's not something I ever really bought into just because these guys are all professionals. You know, they, they've all been through this before. They've had... Miami's had several bad losses this playoffs. They had a bad loss in game three in Philadelphia, and then they came out and lost game four also. So and then just because they went out to win game five, I don't necessarily think that was a wake-up call. I more put that to the fact that it's just the NBA playoffs, and the playoffs are hard. The playoffs are difficult. They're not supposed to be easy. It's not always supposed to be super competitive. It's meant to be more of a roller coaster full of, full of ups and downs. That's why, and I've never done this before, even after the win in game one, when we did the preview about game two, I kind of said I didn't necessarily expect the Heat to win just because I know Boston's a really great team and game one was a little too easy, quite frankly. So I expected a lot of back and forth. And same way Twitter was freaking out after game two, I said, you know what? I kind of feel confident going into game three. That being said, I don't feel so great going into game four. But anyways, that's just what the playoffs is. It's supposed to be difficult. If we're talking about the biggest improvement after the loss, I mean, I'd just say that it's that Boston didn't shoot 20 or 40 from three. You know, that's what the playoffs do. Great teams will step up. You know, great role players will step up like Boston's did in Miami. And that's just kind of how this playoffs are going to go. I see it going back and forth. I have heat in seven, but or heat in six, but heat in seven wouldn't surprise me either. Uh, I think these guys try. I think every guy tries. I just think it's two good teams going against each other. And because of that, you're going to have, you know, a lot of this back and forth you know, ups and downs throughout a postseason. Uh, but they definitely had a lot of great things. Kyle Lowry being back was huge. He finally looked healthy. And then, of course, Bam and Abayo, which we're going to get into the next topic. Mm -hmm. And you know what? One major difference from last game and what we saw last night was the fact that we didn't see Boston make nine threes in that first quarter because after that, that was when the game was starting to feel out of reach, you know, when you look back at that game too. So the fact that the Heat were able to step in and just sort of, you know, just simply not have Boston make the amount of threes that they were making in that last game, you know, it was it was huge for Miami. That and the elite defense too, something that we've talked about so much in many pods in the past. And it's so hard not to even consider making that topic for this specific episode because, man, like, it's 19, was it 19 steals? I don't know. I think it was 17 steals. I'm not sure. But everyone was getting their licks in, you know? Like, I think you had Oladipo had a few steals. I know um, Bam had four steals. Like, all of these guys were coming in and, you know what? Although I don't really like Kendrick Perkins, and I know he's rats off the ship, 
you know, he has that whole the goons from Day County thing. And that was exactly what the Heat were. You know, when you look back at this game three, they were the goons from Day County because they came in. They were not afraid to roughen up the Celtics. They were not afraid to play physical and they were willing to do whatever it took to get the ball from them and to get that bucket that was needed to move this game further and get that 2-1 lead against them. So overall, I'm just so happy to see it. And, you know, I don't want to talk too much about BAM because that's specifically what this next topic is for. So let's get right into it. So with all that being said, you know, Bam Adebayo just had an amazing game as he put this Heat team on his back after Jimmy got injured. And this is all great considering the fact that, as I said earlier, like there was so much commotion regarding Bam and Tyler stepping up after what happened last game. I mean, even Eric Reed got in there. You know, he was saying that Jimmy needs help and stuff. And it's safe to say that Bam specifically took that to heart. And I think Heat fans were beyond pleased to see how aggressive Bam was because I know that's the thing for a lot of Heat fans I've seen on social media, you know, talking about Bam being aggressive and stuff. And for all those people that's pushed for Bam to be that way, you know, it's it must have been a dream come true for you because that's what we saw in this past game. And we saw that as he dominated on both ends of the court, which is something you love to see from your max guy. So all praise aside, like, what's everyone's reaction to seeing Bam have this impressive Game 3 performance? Give us your thoughts, Orchard. I love to see it. Obviously, um, it's, it's been a topic by a lot of analysts in the last couple of weeks about Bam um, stepping it up. And especially, obviously, like you're talking about, just after Game 2, a lot of analysts are saying the next man that needs to step up is Bam Adebayo. And he, he, he responded. I mean... He was obviously the best player of this game. And when Jimmy, obviously Jimmy missed the second half and he had to be the person to step up. And I, listen, he, he might, he's probably, he could, the next game he could take seven shots because that, that that's a real possibility. But I think the important thing is that he does what he, we need to do to win. And in this game particular, he needed to take more shots, be more aggressive in order for us to win. And that's what he did. Um, and the next game, it could be Gabe Vincent who steps up. It could be Kyle Lowry. It could be anyone. Um, so I'm really impressed with Bam, and I hope he continues to do this. But the more important thing right now is that he's doing what we need to win. He's going to do it on the defensive end, and it's going to be important for him to step it up on the offensive end when we need it. Mm-hmm. And let's see, uh, Anthony, you? Listen, I'm tired of – Bam at a bio's lack of aggressiveness. Okay. And the reason that I'm gonna come out this way is because it seems that Bam at a bio only shows his aggressiveness when all of Twitter and coaching staff and every player and everyone he ever interacts with in his life yells at him. He should not have to have people tell him to be aggressive. He should not have to have people tell him that nobody can guard him out there. He's the strongest, fastest, biggest guy out there on the court nine times out of 10. There's no reason he can't do this every game. And it's frustrating because like Orchard says, he's probably only going to take seven shots next game. And then we're probably all going to yell at him. And then he's probably going to do it again the game after that. There's no reason we can't get this Bam at a bio every single game. It, it would completely elevate this team to an unbeatable level. Now, the most important thing at the end of the day is to do what it takes to win. And so far, they've obviously been very successful. They've only lost what? like four games this entire postseason. 
So I don't want to get on Bam at a bio, but when the things get tough, like it will next next game, he needs to continue to be aggressive. That's not enough shot attempts for him. And it, it, I personally, I just don't think it's who he is. That's why I don't even want to get mad at Bam for that. I don't think he's a scorer type player. But when he comes out there in the offseason and said he wants to be a shooter, when Pat Riley says that I think Bam's going to be a flat-out scorer, that's Bam saying these things. That's Bam showing that he's capable. So the fact that he doesn't do it is frustrating. But at the end of the day, if that's not who he is, if he's more of a Draymond Green-type player, a facilitator slash defender, then I'll take that. You know, Draymond's a Hall of Famer. But it just sucks because we see that Bam is capable of this on a night in a night-out basis. But for whatever reason, he doesn't want to do it. So hopefully we get it next game again, but I'm not so hopeful personally. Preach, preach, man, <laughs> man. You know I get it, but you know it's all about having the guts, in my opinion. So I might have to um, oppose that. But let's see, uh, George, you. Yeah, I, I'm actually with um, with Anthony on this one. I, I think that his lack of aggressiveness is, is his biggest downfall because on you know on a good day, six ten. You know I know he's listed at six nine, but he's actually six ten, six eleven. He's the biggest guy on the floor at any one time, but it's so difficult for him to really muster up the courage and that and that, um, you know, that aggressiveness that he needs when he's not the first option. When you look around the league, you look at players like Jokic and Bede, Towns. These are all top centers. These are all first options on their team. So I feel like he feels because Jimmy's there, he can kind of take a day off every time like he doesn't have to he can hang his hat on the defensive end which is fantastic and, and he's actually leading sorry coming third in our team's uh, plus minus category so it shows that he's even when he's not producing on offense his defense is elite at every single moment of time but hopefully one day he'll see that these games that he's having 31 point game today you know he, he the game against the nets last season when he has to take over he can't Hopefully he can implement that to the game he's playing alongside his teammates because it's such a an amazing you know ama- amazing thing when you've got real you know a, a big man who can do it night in night out because it's scary when we verse a team like Boston who have you know two legitimate stars in in Brown and Tatum and you can even argue that Marcus Smart's up there as well but then you've got Robert Williams coming in and and doing exactly what Bam's doing on the defensive end uh, maybe at a lower level but he's also contributing on offense as well. So it's just, it's really disheartening to see that this isn't something he can do 99 out, but look, it is what it is at the end of the day. The game he had last night really just, just shows that he can, he can do it. Uh, the, the fact that he did with Jimmy off the floor is the concerning part as well, because when Jimmy comes back next game and let's be completely, totally honest, unless that knee is completely, you know, messed up and it's falling off his leg, then I, I don't think I don't see him missing a single game. But he needs to realize that he has to step up. He has to be the second option because Tyler, Tyler right now is playing like like garbage. Complete, complete garbage. So it's down to Bam to really pick up the slack and to take the pressure off players like like Hero as well. Because if they're having trouble try, guard, guarding um Bam, that's going to open up more looks for everyone else. So it is just it, it's a real you know, he's, he's the X factor for our team because he, he provides so much coverage for other teams that, that, you know, they have to guard him every single single second if he's that aggressive every game. And, you know, it, it, it just needs to be that wake-up call for him to say that he, he has to perform. He has to do it right now. And, and if he can perform at this top level, then 
we're, we're the team to beat, in my opinion, because if we're going into, you know, a final against Golden State, and they're not going to be able to, they're going to be able to touch Bam. So he needs to realize he's going to pick it up, pick it up now, and hopefully he can build on this momentum. Right, because, you know, that's the thing with Bam, because this isn't just some average guy, you know, when you look at his build and everything. Like, this is a guy that's a force of nature, honestly. You know, if he sets his mind to it, he can be someone that a lot of these guys fear. And that's why it sucks when I feel like some of these teams, you know, some of these players, they don't really give Bam the respect when it comes to fearing him when it's time to guard him in certain possessions. Like, I know, like, we all know what Bam is capable of doing. So to see him go out there and show, like, nah, I am someone that's going to do this and that. I am someone that you got to worry about. Like, I am someone that you're going to have to give all your effort to if you're going to want to guard me. Like, I just loved seeing it. And it was just such a great game, especially in a game as pivotal as game three. Like, what else could you ask for? And, you know, like you guys mentioned, I really do hope we could see it happen on a consistent basis. Will it, though? I honestly don't know. But I pray for it every day and night because, man, could you, like you guys said, like, how good would this Heat team be if Bam was indeed playing at, like, this on a consistent basis? Like, this team would be unstoppable. Exactly what you guys said. So, I don't know. It's just something to pray about. And, man, like, I just can't wait to see if we do continue to see that type of BAM, even if he ends up being that second option once Jimmy comes back. So, overall, just a great game for him. And I'm just glad that we are finally able to do a pod where we could just specifically talk about him having one of these type of games. I always wondered if we would have a moment to do something like this. And I'm glad that moment finally came up. So, Bam, if you're listening to this, shout-outs to you, bro. Anyways, so we talked a lot about Bam, and now it's time for a recurring segment on the pod, better known as the Spotlight Heat Player of the Game. Um, in this game, you know, we saw a handful of Heat players step up, and it's it's probably a hard decision for some of you guys regarding who would you pick to be the Spotlight Heat Player of the Game because, like I said, a lot of guys stepped up to the plate and were willing to do whatever it took to help this heat team win so with all that being acknowledged and stuff like who's y'all's pick for spotlight heat player of the game we'll start off with you george um my choice is going to be a pretty simple one i'm going to say it's bam because bam, we said it before we'll say it again when bam performs that and the team has such an easier time at performing uh but i'm going to pick a secondary starter go along with him and that's pj tucker because pj tucker without him Bam, Bam's role gets 10 times harder. Really, really does. So when PJ plays the way he does, having 17-7, three steals a block, you know, good good efficiency. Uh, it's it's such an important factor for us when it comes down the stretch and even during the start of game strong when you've got, you know, Tucker playing unbelievable de- defense alongside Bam and he's putting up points and staying out of foul trouble and he's facilitating and he's rebounding. So... You know, those two together are the stars of the week because PJ is the un, is he's the star that we didn't know that we like, you know, he's the plus sorry, he's the player we didn't know we needed. He really wasn't because we had Jay Crowder and that was fantastic. And he was playing really well for us, but he wasn't wasn't sound on defense the same way that PJ is. Then we had Mo Harkless, which was just a disaster, was the worst thing I've ever seen. Then we got Trevor Ariza, which was which was just as bad. 
And now we've got PJ. We can see what a real four next to Bam to complement him actually looks like. And when I, when he signed that contract, when I saw PJ Tucker sign with the Heat for two years, seven million dollars a year, I was like, "What in the world are we doing? We have got no money. Why are we doing this?" But to, like I said, he's the player we didn't know we needed, and he's performing the big time when we need him to. And so yeah, those are my two stars of the the week. I like that. And let's see, Anthony, you. Well, one thing, George. There's no one in Heat history as bad as Mo Harkless. Okay, he's got to be, and I, I'm very strongly feeling that he's the worst player Chris in Silver. Heat history. Chris what? Silver. No, Chris baby, Silver. baby, you'd be no. 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 Don't you ever no we're not going to do like that ever again. No, because Chris Silva, <laughs> at least he wasn't as disrespectful as Mo Harkless Thank when you. he was. Are you Thank saying he's the you. worst in history? Yes, that is yes, and we're. Well, we don't care. Anyways, Anthony, say what you want to say. All right. So you were right, Joel. It is kind of hard to pick a spotlight player of the game. So I narrowed it down to three. I want to go with James Capers, James Williams, and Curtis Blair, the officiating crew last night, because Jalen Brown said after the game, and I quote, they, meaning the referees, they let a lot of stuff go tonight. I felt like whenever I drive in there, they got two hands on me the whole time. I don't get those hand-checking calls. And you know what? Jalen Brown is 100% correct because he only went to the free throw line 12 times. And, and Miami went to the line seven times, not including, you know, garbage time. But Jalen Brown only went to the line seven, uh, 12 times. The Celtics only went to the line 30 times as a team. So I just really want to shout out that horrific, god-awful, abysmal abomination they called an officiating crew last night because that really turned Miami all the way up to the top put them, you know, Miami had 19 steals. They should have had 25 steals if they didn't call that crap that they were doing on Miami. Uh, so I just want to shout them out. And I guess Rick Dolladipo because he stepped up for Jimmy and that's not an easy thing to do. So shout out to him. Right. And that's a good point you brought up because you know what? I saw a great tweet from Chef Trilly, a.k.a. Austin. Um, shout outs to him. Uh, and it's funny because he brings up how every time it seems like Victor is about to get put out of the rotation. He just comes in and has a great game. You know, we saw that, you know, specifically in that game four against Atlanta. And we saw that last night with the steals he was getting, the clamps that he was putting on these Celtics players. Like, he keeps showing why he's so important to this team. And he's willing to do whatever it takes to, you know, get the job done. You know, he's not like these other guys where he needs to do this and that. Like, whatever it takes to help this team wins, he's going to do it. And that's what that's all you could ask for from your type of – from the guys that you got on that roster. So, you know, that's a great option from your end. And uh, Orchard, you? Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Kyle Lowry. I really think it's Kyle Lowry. Uh, obviously, in this game, he was really struggling in his shooting, only at 11 points. But his impact on this team is absolutely crazy, and it's kind of it's not looked at enough. And, you know, most, most people aren't going to notice it because, you know, you look at the box score and you can make your assumptions there. But he's just so important to this team, and we 100% would not have won this game if he didn't play. I mean – he he makes everyone's life easier. Um, we get better shot shot look, um, better looks from uh, throughout the floor. 
He spaces the floor better. And his late game execution was actually very important to our win, in my opinion. Uh, for one thing, he had that clutch steal on Smart, which basically led to Struess laying, uh, laying up the ball. And that was pretty much the dagger. And then his inbounding. I, I honestly, I, if you, I don't know if you guys remember, but last year, our inbounding was god-awful in the final moments. And uh, one example was the Lakers versus Heat, where we had to get an inbound out, and we tried to make a long inbound at Jimmy. And it was stolen, and we got lucky there because Caruso missed the uh, shot that would have sent us to overtime. But overall, like last season, our inbounding was just god awful. And having Larry on this team to inbound in late game situations has been extremely helpful in letting us get the ball, and so we can um, have our guy go to the line and not turn the ball over. And so overall, I just think I just think it's he's my spotlight player of the week um, or the game, sorry, and. It's not even just on the floor. It's all. It's all. It's also on the sidelines. He, you can see him telling players what to do. You see him talking to Coach Spo on the on the sidelines, and it just shows you that he he doesn't need to be on the floor to help impact on this team. Right, and you know it's a uh, you know the fact that you bring up Kyle because I was actually gonna pick him, but luckily I got another choice in mind. But before I um come out with that specific selection, I just gotta say I was very happy to see the way how Kyle played because you know heading into the game I was kind of worried about Kyle when they announced that Kyle was questionable. I was excited, but I was low-key kind of worried at the same time because I didn't know if we were going to get the healthy Kyle that we've seen throughout the season, the guy that's helped the Heat be successful, or the injured Kyle that we saw in those two games against Philly. And, you know, that concerned me because I didn't want him to rush back from injury, obviously. And if he was to, not only is he causing problems for himself, but it causes problems for the team as well. So the fact that he was able to come in and have such an impact on the Heat and, you know, it it honestly looks like he's starting to be that Kyle that we once saw, you know, before that, that hamstring injury took place. And that's all you could ask for. So I'm very happy that it, he's starting to get back into shape. And that's honestly, I really wish you didn't say Kyle Lowry Orchard because I really wanted to pick him. But luckily, I did have my backup option in mind. So for my spotlight heat player of the week, I'm going to go with Max Struess because the dude was making all types of clutch threes, especially in that fourth quarter. As you brought up earlier, Orchard, you know, the Celtics cut the lead to one. But Max Struess, he wanted to let his former team know, like, y'all went and cut me, right? So let me show y'all what you missed out on. And he hit that clutch three to extend the lead for the Heat. And I freaking love it. Because you know what? To those who, and we're not even going to talk about what Marcus Smart did to him in game two. If you saw it, you saw it. I'm not going to go into detail about it. But Max Struess came in with the vengeance. And to see him play the way how he did, get those clutch triples and, you know, play a great game. You just love to see it. So I'm just so glad that he was able to show out. And like I said, especially against his former team, you know, it must have been felt good for him. And hopefully this revenge tour continues for him, hopefully with this series ending in Miami's favor and hopefully with us going to the finals. And, you know, obviously I don't want to go too ahead with it, 
But man, I just feel so good for Max Bruce though, seeing all that take place. Because if there's any team that you'd want to get revenge on for anything, I feel like it would be Boston. Because honestly, screw the Celtics. Y'all, y'all already know the drill about that. Anyways, we talked so much about this game three. Before we close it out, I feel like it's only right that we talk about game four for Miami as there's going to be so much to think about because if the Heat do end up winning game four, they're in a situation where they could take a commanding 3-1 lead. However, we all know that this isn't going to exactly be an easy thing because the Celtics is a tough team and they know that their season is probably going to be on the line if they lose game four because of all the teams that can blow a 3-1 lead, I extremely doubt they expect Miami to be one of those teams, especially because we're coached by Eric Spolstra and not Doc Rivers. Anyways, with that all being said, like, what do you guys expect to happen and what should most likely be a very competitive game? Uh, Kick us off, Anthony. Okay. So, like I've been saying, this series has been a roller coaster. It's what you expect with two good teams, right? So, now, this is kind of what I expect from game four. I think it's going to be an absolutely legendary game. Now, it's possible that the Heat decide to rest Jimmy Butler. They're satisfied with their one win in Boston. So I think Boston will come back. They'll bounce back strong. They'll have a really strong punch early on, maybe be up around 18 at halftime. Jalen Brown balling out again, 26 points at halftime. Tatum with a strong 19. Pritchard chipping in with 10. And then after a rough first half, Tyler Hero finally picks it up. It's back-to-back threes to cut the lead all the way to 11. But then Jalen Brown goes off, and, and the lead explodes all the way to 25. But then back in Boston, versing the team that cut him, Max Struess goes absolutely berserk, super sane, hits nine straight threes. He's up to 54 points. The Heat lead by one with 10 seconds to go. Idoka calls timeout, gives the ball to Tatum. Tatum, isolation, top of the key, dribbling left and right. Victor Oladipo glued to him like a magnet. That makes no sense. You don't glue magnets. Anyways, Tatum dribbling. Three, two, one. Puts the shot up for the win. And it's no good. He went going three to one in Boston. And then, and then, yeah, man, it's all good. We up three to one. All right, aside from that story, I didn't know where this was going because first the Celtics was up 25 and then the Heat was apparently coming back by Tyler. I don't know. That was a whole roller coaster. He wins. That's all that matters, baby. Let's yeah, yeah. So to take that 3 1 lead, I'm down with it. Uh, George, you? I don't know how I'm supposed to follow that. I, re- I really don't. But um, <laughs> I just, I think I could have closed my eyes during that segment and I could have been, you know, put myself at the game. But if I'm going to take a more grounded approach to this game, we've got to figure out first and mostly what just happened at TD Garden. You know, the Garden was just an infirmary because of the amount of injuries there were. So Tatum's going to get assessed. Smart's going to get assessed. Uh, Jimmy, everyone. Everyone's just got to be, you know, we're going to fix, fix as much as we can, get as much rest into them as possible and see who's actually going to be fit for that game. But this is... The perfect. This is the perfect game to win for us because you know we took the two one lead. Yes, but it was the first game of their home stretch, which is the two, you know obviously the two games they played three and four. Now, I'm I'm so certain about this that that Jimmy will play. I, Jimmy will absolutely play, and all of the pressure is on the Celtics. They've already dropped their home game, and and the three one 
the three one lead is it's got an extremely high probability if you if you take away the recency bias of what the Nuggets did last season. You, you, it's got such a high probability of of leading a win for the team that was leading three one. So, I the pressure's on the Celtics to really get that get that that game back, and I think that what this game showed is that if we control the tempo the way that we did last game, we we just have the best the best chance of winning it in any point of time. So I'm not saying we've completely figured them out, but we've we've definitely gotten a few more tips, and um and and it should make our job just that that much easier, but. We're still going to have to perform. Bam's going to have to come out aggressive. Tyler, Tyler, if this is any game for Tyler to go off, this is the freaking game for him to go off because they're, they're going to expect it from Jimmy. Bam, Struess, Depot to play good defense. But if they if they see Tyler suddenly hit shots left, right, and center, they're going to be in absolute peril. So it's time for us to, you know, turn up the heat and, and, and you know, get that dub because I just want to close this out as much as possible and see who we're versing in the finals. Right. And, you know, it's a great thing you brought up, Tyler, because one thing that's interesting to um, acknowledge is the fact that the last time the Heat and Celtics played in the game four of the Eastern Conference Finals, Tyler Hero actually had 37 points and he ended up cooking, you know, the put the future defensive player of the year in Marcus Smart as well. So if there's any specific game where he could have a great night and stuff it would be game four you know you know let's let's go on that throwback thursday well i don't even think it would be thursday come game four it would be monday but still you know give us that throwback and let's see you know what we saw in that game in the south against the celtics in the bubble you know and let's see orchard you i think the one big thing is to rebound better um despite this win we did actually get out rebounded 43 to 34, I believe. It might be a little off on those numbers, but I do know that I think it was around a 10 to 12 deficit. And typically we lose games that we don't, in which we um, don't out-rebound the other team. So that's something we just got to do better. I am really, sur- I'm really surprised that we did end up winning. I think everyone was because of, I, I, th- I think it just really came down to the last two minutes. But, you know, in general, just we got to rebound better and stay strong. I mean, Boston is obviously an amazing team. Don't get me wrong. I don't like them, but they're an amazing team. And especially when they're in a situation where their season could be on the line, they've shown that they can really step it up. For example, the Milwaukee series, they're down two, three, and then they won the next two games. So they definitely have that mentality where they can, you know, definitely win game four. And I think, I, I think it's fair to say that the Celtics have a higher probability of winning game four than Miami does. And so that's just, it's just going to have to be us staying strong and continue to be aggressive. And if Robert Williams is not playing, we just have to continue attacking the paint. Even if, I mean, obviously we want to stay aggressive in the paint no matter what, but obviously Robert Williams being out um, is a huge advantage for us. And hopefully Jimmy comes back because we're definitely going to need him. And I definitely agree with what George was saying about hero. I mean, they, they're going to try to plan their defense to guard the players who have been playing well. And so to have a guy like Tyler who's been struggling in the series to suddenly come back and come out and play really well, it's going to confuse their defense and hopefully um, have us play a lot better on offense. And the last thing is our holding leads. I, I Honestly, I'm not going to blame Miami for blowing their 26-point lead in game, uh, game three because the free throws, man. I really like game one. I will say I, I think that was a problem for Miami where they, they didn't end up blowing the lead, but it was getting close. So that's something we have to work on. And game three, 
it's frustrating, man. If you're, you're if it's like 27 to five free throws, it's got to be frustrating. And I understand that in those circumstances, it's going to be hard to hold on to the lead. And they ended up not making sure Boston didn't take the lead. But just in general, if we do end up taking a lead in the first half, second half, whatever, we just got to do a better job holding on to it. And before I finish my uh, part, I just want to say prayers to Tatum, um, Smart, Butler, and Robert Williams. I hope they're all come back healthy because none of us want to none of us want to see injured players on either side. Right. You know, so overall, just it's going to be a competitive game. Like I said earlier, hopefully the Heat can get it done because I like to stick it to those who had Celtics in six, Celtics to seven, because we know damn well they did not have the Heat going up three games to one in this series, if that's the case. But we'll see what happens. I got the guts. I see the Heat winning this game if everything goes their way. So we'll see what happens. Anyways, we talked so much on today's episode that before we close it out, make sure to check out our Twitter and Instagram page at HVTW Podcast while checking out our website at hvtwpodcast.wordpress.com. That way you still have access to 24-7 Miami Heat content even when we're not recording a new episode. Also, we hope you guys enjoyed today's episode because we'll be recording a new pod after every playoff win for the Heat, meaning that if God is willing, we'll have at least six more episodes to record before we officially end Season 2 of Heat vs. the World. Anyways, thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast, and we'll see you guys soon with another episode. Hit my music because we out. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast.